0: I'm gay, and neurodivergent, and trans, and I have long COVID, and fibromyalgia, and I'm your host, Geraldo Rivera, aka Young Daddy from Inside Out, aka Young Dev Patel, aka Come Dog Millionaire, a.k.a. Geronimo Rivera, a.k.a. Geraldo Rivero, a.k.a. Gelato Spaghetti. And you're tuned in to episode 33 of... Peraldo's Edge Game, the Premier Edging Cumcast podcast. Whatever. Who, who fuck, fuck you? Fuck you. Who cares? Welcome. What do you think? What do you think I'm going to say? Abortion jokes. Are they funny again? Now I I understand, you know, although I may be trans, you know, I I don't have the reproductive capabilities to have a valid opinion about uh you know, people who can reproduce. Who do have the potential to make reproductive mistakes. So Can I really say what mistakes they should be allowed to make? No. As a trans person, no. I I firmly believe and accept that I should and will say nothing about the topic. However, in regards to abortions themselves... As a whole, pure as purely an act, I still believe that men, uh, cis-gendered men specifically, uh, still get to say what's funny. We still retain some. Modicum of control over our lives, and just let us continue to determine and tell you what is funny. Abortion jokes will be funny again. With more gusto than they ever had for years. For my in my lifetime, you know, are dead baby jokes great again. Make dead baby jokes great again. They were never that great, honestly, in my lifetime. I feel like when I heard dead baby jokes in elementary school and middle school, it was from a time a, a greater time a, a golden era of dead baby jokes i think i caught we, we were getting residual jokes from our older siblings and and from older media you know the jokes that got passed down through the years those were the dead baby jokes i caught wind of uh through my childhood and i never thought they were that they were that funny i think you know i, I obviously didn't get anti-humor. I didn't really get that dark. Uh, maybe I just didn't get it. You know, maybe I just wasn't on the same page when I was. I was reading joke books in third grade. You know, I was I was getting joke books from the library and reading them to the class and none of them had dead baby jokes. I didn't know where I was supposed to get the dead baby. And, I you know, I feel like you didn't need, I think you didn't need it. I feel like you didn't need the dead baby in, in that era, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. In a post 9-11 America, which is when I was a kid, really, was, most of my childhood was, was post 9-11, I think uh, you, you, we moved away from the dead baby a little bit. I don't know. Weird. Weird. I've been thinking a lot about 9-11 recently just because I have a project that I've wanted to make for a very long time. I've had the idea brewing in my head, in my hole, in my heart, in my, in my tummy, and... Uh, I decided in a fit of rage and 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 suicidal ideation I decided to finally sit down and record it I recorded it one take and uh, I've been I've been sitting on it and editing and but I, I did a lot of, I spent a lot of time uh, I've spent years really researching this is a role I've prepared for uh, since 9/11. You know, ever since I read my first conspiracy theory, uh, you know, ever since my stepdad started telling me about conspiracy theories, I have been working for, what I, what I didn't know was, was this, was to make a, a parody jerk-off video, it's called High Jack-Off, okay, you get it? Works on a couple levels. Just watch the video to find out. <laughs> Do you like this angle? If you're not watching, I recommend you watch this one because I don't usually show this side of me physically uh, unless you're paying 2 a minute to see it. Imagine this without shorts. Imagine this... With hole, with hairy hole, and you tip me, and I go ooh, and th- and there's a love ants in my asshole, and it's the little pink tail is sticking out, and I go ooh, ooh that's so good, baby, that's so good, cock slave, sixty nine four twenty, thanks for the gold, thanks for the gold, uh, but what I was saying about is, there's, I don't know if you know this, and this may be early, I I should probably, you know, who cares? I can talk about this again if I'm still here in in three months on the 21st anniversary of 9-11. I was really fascinated by the fourth plane, United 93, the plane that supposedly allegedly failed to reach its target which uh supposedly allegedly was the white house they were going for the white house and failed and they crashed somewhere in pennsylvania they crashed somewhere in like bumblefuck pa i think near like Gettysburg, maybe, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere not actually far from where I grew up, um, but much further west, I believe, anyway, I really identified, there is, there is one gentleman, I believe his name was Ziad or Z- Ziad or something like that, uh, and he was the pilot. He is the pilot of United ninety three, and he uh, seemed like he didn't want to do it. He seemed the most supposedly, based on whatever information's out there. He seemed the most reluctant, uh, and he and you have to look at it, and you can see this written a lot of places, is that he was also the most socially connected and actually probably most stable uh and other aspects of his life uh in terms of having a hot girlfriend for one uh who was from like i forget germany or some i, I don't know like austria or something she's some european country but either way she was fucking hot two ziad was hot himself i looked at the pictures and i got hard three uh he had a good relationship with his family he had friends he liked to go out and party. He wanted a party. And um, the rest of the dudes were what you imagine, at least on that plane. They were strong incel vibes. And this is not a, I'm not speaking on their religion by any means. Uh, they just were, they just happened to be incels that were Muslims, you know, that were, that believed in Islam. Um, does that mean that their lifestyle reflects that of an incel? No, not inherently. Uh, but in this case, yeah, the the other, the other three seem to be fucking whack. And so you, they're, they're who you imagine the CIA or the you know whoever would recruit uh, to carry out a mission of that caliber. And I'm not speaking purely about 9/11, but you know here in the states as well, that is who you want to, uh, you know, follow through on your mission, your red flag psyop mission. And I know I'm sounding a schizo, but there's not, uh, a whole lot of reason to, it's not a whole lot of reasons to believe otherwise at the moment. There's not a whole lot of other reasons to think, uh, that that's not the case. Um, and that, I also am not I, I, perhaps i am a candidate i would love to i would love to know i would love to think i'm i've been groomed and I've been conditioned to uh commit the next great American tragedy <laughs> and so that's the theme of the video i I find that uh I think the video is more than just a 9-11 parody. I think it's gonna be more of a reflection of uh, it's more of a it's more of my audition tape. It's an audition tape for the CIA or whatever, you know, letter agency is responsible for tracking porn jerk off creators mental well being. And susceptibility to brainwashing and manipulation and sorts. So keep an eye out for that. I got nothing to say about it. I, I was supposed to have a guest today. I was supposed to have a guest. Uh, someone who I've actually met before in person. Someone uh, from my real life, Supposedly. Uh, but they were unable to make it because uh they're celebrating uh, a birthday, a relative's birthday and also Pride Month. The brother's not gay, but it is still Pride Month. This is the last episode of Pride Month, unfortunately, um, but it's been a long it's been a long one. It's been the longest, I would say. I you might have noticed uh the, the come counter, the days without splooging counter has been reset. And you might even notice it's been reset completely to zero, as in I Came Today. Um is what that implies and it is true it is true i broke my i i i'd hit 35 i had hit a 35 day no cum streak again not a no jerk not a no fap uh not a no porn it was purely uh it was actually jerking without coming um mostly because i was working doing cam shows and because my cum is valuable. But I had hit uh, 35 and I was doing a cam show. And uh, when I do these shows, as much as I'm anti-porn... And actually, I do make an effort, at least mentally, in my mind to, to avoid watching porn while I cam. Because it's it's a weird dynamic to to sexualize earning money, for one to associate it with having a hard dick, um, and then on top of that to add the additional stimuli of, of hardcore pornography um, while you get tipped, while you get paid. It, it's a weird... It's weird. And I'm very conscious of it. I'm not sure how it will affect me, how it affects me truly, but my point in telling you this, uh, is that I do have porn up while I cam. And I think a lot of people do. It's hard to use your imagination. Um, and it's a little distracting when you're trying to like, a lot of the times you're role-playing with a, a guy with a penis. And that's cool. If you're into that, uh, is it though pride month? Let me know in the comments. Is it cool to like men eh? in 2022? Cause they suck. Is it cool to be gay? Cause men suck. Haha. <laughs> get it? I'm homophobic. He get it? Do you get it? I was jerking off as usual, trying to ignore the fact that there was a horny man texting me the most degenerate, scummy, retarded shit in the chat box because he's never talked. Or had a real physical, sexual interaction in his life, and I'm trying to not think about it. So I have a nice, I don't know, a cream pie compilation video. Maybe uh, I might, maybe I'm watching hot guys fuck. You know, and not just two guys. I mean, it's the one. There's one hot guy and then a hot chick. But who knows? Maybe they might make it really gay. Hot guys fuck. Uh, which I am gonna apply for actually today. I'm gonna I'm gonna apply and see if uh, I'm hot enough. And I'm gonna send this video in as uh my audition tape, my reel. I'll say, hey, check out my podcast, and uh, let me know if you want to see me fuck and come in two seconds. And uh it's a rookie mistake. I, you know, it's a rookie mistake to, to click around as you're getting close to coming. And, but the thing is, is like, usually I don't usually if like, if I know I'm getting close or I'm whatever, I'll just stick with the same video I'm watching, you know, within like, I, I would say the last minute, you know, cause I know what's coming. I know it's not, I'm not being thrown for a, a loop or anything i'm not you know i i've carefully prepared the multiple tabs you know when i normally masturbate when i have the goal of coming but in this case i you know my goal was to not come i was actually like the show ended right and i was like i was like just getting really horny I, I, you know 30 days i was like i was horned the fuck up like as soon as someone wanted a show i could get hard it was amazing it was amazing it cured my ed um and this person left the the show ended i was like i i think i'll just keep jerking off but like i'm not going to come i'm just going to like you know edge myself some more and see if i can get someone else in the room i just moved the camera up and hide my cock but you can see me <laughs> you know doing my thing and i i blew it i fucking blew it i blew it because i was just clicking through more videos being horny and i saw the thumbnail it was a cock and a beautiful woman it was a it was a beautiful woman that looked like she was gonna suck a penis and i clicked on it and um basically i i came to tranny porn i i came to transsexual pornography and that's a first for me. And I like to think I'm uh I'm kind of woke now. I-, I like to think I did my part for uh for Pride Month. I made my contribution. I Geraldo Rivera splooged to a transsexual woman pre op. Pre-op transsexual woman, big tits, big cock. I came, and it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Yeah, I, I came really hard because again I'd saved up for weeks, and so I probably could have came to anything. I I I think in that moment I could have conditioned myself to come to. The most degenerate shit I could find. If you threw it in front of me with the right timing, you can get me to come to anything. So that was the first one. And that was a couple days ago. That was like Thursday. And so you're probably wondering what happened today. I had a nocturnal emission. I believe is the the scientific term, the professional terminology, is a nocturnal emission. I emitted nocturnally. I don't know what time. I actually slept really late. I I slept from 6 a.m. to fucking 2 p.m. So really, I... Just came in the morning. There is not. There is not nothing nocturnal about that emission. Uh, just nocturnal in the sense that I was uh, sleeping. It was my sleep cycle, and I haven't come in my pants like that in my sleep since fucking like middle school. Actually, that's a lie. I I, I feel like I've had them, but they're so far and few in between. It's like, I think every time I have one, I'm like, damn, it's been so long. But I guess now that I'm saying it and reflecting, I'm pretty sure I, I feel like I get one maybe like once a year, you know, like as a treat. And I think it's, I think it's really dependent on like, yeah, I feel like I'm jerking off a lot or I think it depends on how I sleep mostly because I sleep on my stomach and, um, That means I'm in perfect position to be, like, humping my bed or rubbing my cock in my sleep. I never know, like, because I've definitely, like, woken up from the cum dream, and I've been on my back. So I'm not really sure what, you know, was I really just coming, like, purely, like, mentally, or was I trying, was I fucking the inside of my underwear, you know? Like, grinding my dick against, like, cloth but with no like pr- additional pressure. I don't know. I feel like I could come like that. Like if it's just a frenulum against like obviously if you want, you know, I I can come from humping my bed, from humping a pillow, which is not very much resistance uh or pressure. So I just, you know, every time this happens, I I think how? Why? Cuz I unfortunately I don't even get to remember the the, uh, apparently, hopefully, the sexy dream I had um, about trannies. About a transsexual having an abortion, giving me an abortion. Us taking turns giving each other abortions. <laughs> the late, great Danny Brown once said... Uh, Fuck a pregnant bitch. She saved money on her gabortion. Gabortion with a G. As in gabagool gabortion. And I think about that a lot. Because my cock is definitely not big enough to uh, kill a baby. But the thought of it is extremely tickling to say the least. I promise this isn't like an abortion episode. I don't have many opinions about this, about that, um, but that is uh, my attempt to be topical and relevant. Because you know, I don't like uh, my news sources are memes. I I can't I can't just sit here and regurgitate memes via podcast. I, I think that's what a lot of probably podcasters and comedians do is they kind of rework funny tweets they saw and just kind of chalk it up to, uh, I heard this thing, I saw this thing, you know, sounding like they read it in the news or read it, you know, enough on Reddit maybe, you know, that they read like a factual piece of, you know, supposedly factual information and then uh, they put a funny spin on it. Whereas I think when people say, like, I saw this thing or I read the thing, it's like, oh, they learned about it from the tweet that was a joke already. You know, I think that's what it is. I think I do that. Not here, not with Twitter. I do that with my videos. A lot of my videos are just like extensions of a joke I've seen somewhere probably once and can't remember but it's it's still there in my head. And that's what that's what comedy is and that's that's how you come up with original material. What is up with my fucking camera? It's fucking haunted. Okay, well. Uh fuck me. It doesn't fucking matter because, you know, it's only like supposedly Allegedly, hypothetically, it's only, uh, which I'm surprised about. There are apparently 17 of you on average that download this episode. I don't know what that means. That, that, those are just the analytics I get from Podbean, my host, uh, that I get 17 weekly downloads. Um, but it doesn't tell me who I don't pay for that. I don't think I care to know right now about the age and sex and sexual orientation of my 17 downloaders. I think that's weird. Does that mean they're like, you know, downloading from fucking Spotify, like to listen to like later? I don't know. I'm not going to get an answer to this question because I'm asking my 17 followers via via a podcast. Um, do you guys want me to jerk off at this point? Like I'm so over, I'm so over touching my penis. Uh, I need someone to do it for me. I think I need a robot to suck me dry. Actually, probably you guys would probably would like that. Yeah, if I just had something on my cock the whole time. Really, it should be like a controlled show and, you know, you can tip me while I'm talking or something. But, you know, my, while I do have 17 loyal downloaders and followers, uh, I bet they're all broke. I bet they're broke as fuck. Oh, But my guess would also be that they are Filipino or perhaps from some hellhole like Brazil. I get a lot of comments in Portuguese and Portuguese on my ex videos. I think it's very funny. I do take the time to copy paste them into Google Translate because I... I there for some reason there's some part of me that thinks it's going to have something really uh insightful or interesting or productive to say um uh, but no usually it's it's uh talking about how they want my cream or how they want me to fart in jeans they want me to fart in denim or they want me to fuck their mother which could be a you know mistranslation it could be saying they want to fuck my mother or they should fuck my mother i don't know moms are involved i've had messages that say uh hey my mom really likes your videos and i'm like well why doesn't your mom hit me up Why? why like what's wrong with your mom why is she, why are you speaking on behalf of your mother uh To reach out to the porn creator, the jerk-off man. Those are the questions I just stop asking. I think I get too mad when I don't get the funny answer I want. I get mad because I get... I usually get a very sad answer when I start to inquire about people's lives. When I start to inquire about why they're messaging you know what their life is like it makes me sad and angry and i think i'm going to turn a new leaf and stop asking and because i'm going to try to be a nice person believe it or not i'm, I'm actually going to try i i i feel like i don't have the energy to be mad anymore i i like you know i know it was short-lived my degradation humiliation arc but it's really just exhausting to be so hateful and it's not that i'll stop hating you i just you know will i have to find other ways to express it you know indirectly more subtly in a way that doesn't exhaust me um And And I'm saying that in regards to my Brazilian fans specifically, I, I really do hate you. I do. I hope one of you is actually listening. I hope one of you is using my podcast to uh, learn English to practice your English and also to help you get a better handle of uh, American culture, you know, before you come here and uh, ruin this country single handedly I met a guy at a at a summer camp I've worked many summer camps and it is now the end of June so many camps if they recovered from the pandemic uh, are underway and usually I would be working one I, I thought about it I thought about working summer camp again but I'll tell you what I'll tell you what this Brazilian let me let me let me I'll tell you this whole story. I'll tell you all about this camp. I think it's I think it's important to know how it's changed me because I I think it has it's it's the most recent transformative experience I would say I've had in the past couple of years. Pandemic is like doesn't count really. It's effects of pandemic are temporary. Especially long covid. Summer camp changes you, for real. It does. It does. It really turns you into not a better person, but definitely a new person. You learn a lot about yourself. Uh, this camp is called uh, Piles Boys Camp. P-Y-L-E-S Boys Camp. It is held up in Sequoia National Forest. And they have their own campsite, blah, blah, blah. But it's uh, an all-boys camp. It is for boys and men... The slogan, I, I always make fun of it or I remember it wrong, but I think it's something along the lines of like, you know, it's basically like turning boys to men. It's basically boys to men is the is the logo, is the slogan of Piles camp. And it's an old it's a very old traditional camp. It was started by some like oil magnate back in like it's like a post World War II era, like camp, and they've tried to re- retain a lot of the same traditions from, uh, you know, 1950 or whatever, whenever the fuck they started it. Um, but it was meant to be like, it's definitely what you imagine, like a, 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 like a kind of a vaguely like boot military camp for kids would feel like. I'm sure that's what it felt like back then. There's like pictures at this camp of, uh, you know, the kids getting their heads shaved, you know, it's like, you know, everyone getting their crew cuts. Uh, I don't know if that was mandatory or not. I never got the full spiel. Um, But it was a camp that was very old school in a lot of ways. And I was an outsider. I was, I was coming in as someone who did not go through the camp, never went to this camp and really never went to camp much. I was a boy scout, but I went to one once and I, you know, it was fine. I just didn't like being away from home. And I also, the time I went, I had fucking like athlete's foot on my fucking groin or something. I had some kind of fungus I had to rub cream on every day and it was not fun. It was, it wasn't fun. I, the only benefit that really came out of going to camp when I was a kid was learning about myfreepaysite.com, which was like at the time, like the best porn site to get like HD, like, you know, studio, like DVD porn, not, not, and, and, and able to stream it on like a dial up connection. Anyway, that's what I learned as a, as a kid at camp. So I went into this kind of like trying to be very careful about how I I was trying to be open minded because i off the bat, you know a boys' camp you imagine it being uh very masculine, very you know, a lot of testosterone in one place you know where boys can be men and blah 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 and that's it, kind of what it was like but when you get there, this was in twenty nineteen the difference is that uh they had a new camp director uh named Dale decker. they had a new director who uh, was a camper who went through the program and, you know, I guess always stayed involved. This camp is very much based on like, you know, getting kids in when they're like 12, I think is generally when they start them um, for newbies. And then like, if they come back year to year, if they're doing well, they uh, get the added responsibilities. Um You know, and then eventually they become a counselor if they want, uh, or some other role. But uh, Mr. Dale Decker was in the program for a long time. Um, And I should say too that this camp, on paper, sounds amazing, uh, and it is amazing on paper. It's designed to be a, again, not a boot camp, is what they'll emphasize. It's not boot camp, but it is kind of a remedial camp for children who are highly at risk of like being a delinquent you know of being a fucking nothing of being a a degenerate burnout Uh, and some of them already like on that path a lot of the kids they're in like foster programs they're you know in a foster home or they get kicked out of foster homes or whatever it may be um they're at risk of doing something crazy probably uh And this camp tries to reach out and identify and offer for free the opportunity to uh, fuck around in the woods for two weeks for these kids. And it it sounded cool. I was like, that's actually a really good idea. I wish I had that as a kid, maybe. I wasn't that much of a delinquent, apparently, without camp. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there I think could use on paper that that simple uh getaway that experience from the hardship of of you know being in the fucking system being institutionalized when you're a fucking child just because your parents were retards who didn't get an abortion um <laughs> and so this camp uh and i want to say to dale the, the director at that time was relatively new. He was like, I think this was the second year and Dale's real career was uh, he was some sort of Hollywood producer uh, or he was like, has he has producer credits. He also did some kind of managerial like supervisory. I don't know if he was like director of photography or something like that or kind of managed production manager maybe in general of uh keeping up with the kardashians supposedly that's what those are his imdb credits so he he did that he helped produce that show and also uh rob durdex like fantasy factory right so this guy is like you know he's missed the hollywood a little bit he's not in anything he's just he's a fat roly poly disgusting beast of a man not even in like a hunky way he's just like his stomach was just, like, gelatinously, like, protruding, but, like, hard. It was hard. You know, like, fat men can be fat and be, like, jiggly, and something about that's, like, still kind of, like, I don't know. It's still kind of sexy. It's still, like, you know, it's, it feels natural. But his was, like, truly just, like, a bulge of a stomach. It was, like, lumpy, and it seemed hard, you know. And then he had his butter bean wife and his, like, butter bean kid, you know, rolling around camp, like, you know, roly polies or something. I don't know. They're fat. Okay. I'm fat shaming. And because I'm mostly fat shaming, because it's a family of fat people with a fat child. It makes me sad. Um, and uh, that brings, brings up another point is, uh, as a boys camp, you know, uh, are women allowed? And uh, the answer was no, that women were not allowed unless uh, they were married. So the women that were at camp were the spouses of uh, it, it probably usually the supervisors. You know, the, the kids couldn't have women up there. Counselors couldn't have women up there. But uh, a lot of the older dudes, they had their, their broads up there and also sponsors. So when sponsors visited the donators, they got to come up to the camp. They were all married women. Um, God, I don't know how much to tell you about how conservative it is, but funny thing is like, you know, during training they acknowledge, you know, like, Hey, you know, we get it. Like it's 2019, um, times are changing and we are receptive to that in our history. We've had issues with being You know, there's a lot of rampant homophobia, blah, blah, blah. They're basically trying to make a declaration, uh, a proclamation. It was an apology video of, uh, you know, that they made mistakes in the past, that the culture of the camp has not been, uh, would not have been accepted in today's society. In today's woke society, 2019 Piles Camp uh, was making an effort as any good corporate entity should. And um, I was like, okay, well, at least they're aware, you know, of what probably dudes will say at this camp and what does go down at this camp. Um, But I got hired as a nurse, okay? I got hired as a nurse and I don't know what there's so many layers to the story but basically i <laughs> i got hired to give out drugs to the kids and to do first aid and to pack first aid kits and to respond via radio if someone like you know had diarrhea on like a trail and uh it was a little, like, kind of a high pressure job because it was up in the fucking boonies like really out there like on a mountain like really high elevation um and nearest like a real medical facility that could treat a more serious uh, injury was like two hours away via car down the mountain. Um, And we had like a helicopter available to us uh, and a pilot who lived nearby who was uh, willing to fly people down the mountain in the case of a real emergency, which was like, I don't want to have to fucking make that call to hella someone out of here. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of like what was going on there, um, and also I should mention these counselors. You know, majority of them are kids who went through the program through this what I what I now refer to as like a a, a military feeder camp because it definitely conditions kids to want to pursue a very macho uh masculine career a role later in life it's it's definitely like yeah we're sensitive but you should still be a man you know you should still you should still be a marine and kill people you know you should still do that is kind of what the camp uh reminds kids of because the, the, the elders you know the people who've been there for years that kind of control the culture they're all like ex-navy ex whatever they all box you know they're all and and again this is like a lot of L- greater la kids so they are a lot of latino a lot of a lot of machismo uh kids and and dudes a lot of cholos really a lot of cholos which i like which i like but the they did have a few white kids and they a lot of camps when they don't have enough staff they recruit college kids i think through these websites they, they you know they, they recruit through, not through like regular hiring websites they're like dedicated like we're looking for camp counselors and a lot of times uh, they're international like I think they do this in other countries too mostly European they'll like you know try to get American like broke American college students to come fly out and and you know work a grueling job um, taking care of sweaty stinky children uh, but we do that here as well we take whoever um, will do it for pennies and this year at camp they got a bunch of Brazilians they got, two Brazilian men who I think very clearly, I, I assume they interviewed them hopefully by via video, via Skype or Zoom or whatever beforehand and probably realized they were gay. Um, and I think they brought on these two, it just so happened the two most openly homosexual men working at this camp were from Brazil, okay? They just happened to be from Brazil. Um And is it right to have the gay man responsible for 10 children alone in the woods? I think that was uh it was a good call in 2019. That was that was their diversity hire was the two gay men. And Anyway, this is a really long rounded way, a roundabout way to reference this. But the one of the guys I met, I talked to quite extensively and I I got the impression later that he thought I was gay as well. I just wasn't out. Um, I was told this much later, actually, that everyone at the camp thought I was gay. Uh, I was told this after the fact. They thought I was gay. And it's also, you know, it's like it's weird because it's a backward ass place where like, you know, the nurses are still women, you know, uh, that's still very much a feminine role. So like, he must just be a fag, um, which is hilarious, hilarious. But yeah, again, I wasn't told this off the bat. I think I didn't, maybe I realized now in retrospect, they were nice to me in a certain way because they were trying to be, careful about gay jokes around me. I, I don't know. <sighs> um, but the Brazilian man, he told me that he, in preparation for his American trip, uh, he spent a lot of time learning English, trying to learn English and practice English by uh, watching Friends, the show. By watching Friends and listening to uh, True Crime Podcasts, And uh, that made me very sad. Made me very sad. It's cool that he, you know, had the initiative to, you know, learn and practice his English. It's just, I think, to use friends as a gauge of, like, also learning American culture is... uh, It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I wonder if that's why I hate Brazilians so much and Filipinos. I feel like, you know, those are both cultures that really value American society american culture american products american media Um, but i feel like their taste in american media is god awful i feel like they always have the most either mundane like vanilla like taste or they had just have bad taste the vanilla taste isn't so bad like yeah like you like friends it's fine it's a fine show i guess i don't know like uh you like the office you know yeah like so does like 80% of our white population here is like yeah well they'll say they like the office so those are fine but it's like i don't know i feel like they're also really late on a lot of things which is again good i'm glad they don't you know but the thing is like they get upset like it's fine if you don't know about it i, I think it's i I respect people who don't follow and stay up to date with whatever pop culture because it's it's a waste of your fucking time, really. But I don't I don't respect Brazilians and Filipinos because they are still overly involved in pop culture. Except they're they tend to latch on to uh, older pop culture. It's not really popular anymore. It's just kind of uh, culture at that point. That doesn't make sense. My point is that they're 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 late. They're always late. They're late to things, and then they're still obsessive about the things they're late about, which I think is funny. I think it's funny as a bit, but it's annoying if it's serious. I think it'd be funny to... And that's how I feel about anything that's like popular at any given moment for a good chunk of time. Uh, I never watched Game of Thrones, but I think it would be awesome to and maybe 10 years sit down and finally watch it and go around like loving it, you know, and, and telling people like, Oh my God, like, have you guys seen game of Thrones? Which I think you can do because it doesn't have longevity. It's harder. To, it's much harder to do is something that has somehow persisted through the years, like fucking Harry Potter, like, uh, or star Wars or Lord of the Rings or, or something like that. Uh, those are things I'll never watch something like that's really short lived Like, um, I think like like Squid Game. I I don't think I I hope to god that doesn't I I don't I don't really have an opinion on it. I never watched it, but it does seem like it's one of those things that it should hopefully be irrelevant uh in in 5 if not already now, but in 5 to 10 years you could binge it and just pretend you're really really into it, you know, and and then and dress like it for Halloween as if it just came out that's funny. I think that's how I feel like that's what Filipinos and Brazilians are like in regards to culture, but okay. So the gay Brazilian man, uh, good, good. This camp, um, I thought it would be good for me because despite the toxic masculinity, uh, that was probably inherent in it I thought it'd be good I thought a little toxic masculinity would be good for me because I feel like I never had much male camaraderie since like high school like college I like had friends but like nursing school was kind of isolating because they had us on a separate campus so I was surrounded by women all the time and like yeah you get pussy but like it's not not really even you know i, I like i didn't fu- i didn't want to fuck people in my nursing class because that's you're stuck with them you know and word gets around so like there's wasn't a lot of places for me to get pussy and also to talk to dudes it was it's kind of sucked uh socially um to have dude friends to talk about getting pussy with of course nothing gay uh and I didn't join a frat or anything. So like, you know, and then I moved to San Diego. And I was like, well, I still don't have friends. So I was like, maybe I should learn to, like, how to, how do I interact with men again? Because like, I didn't, you know, my last like good male friends were from high school, like middle school, really. Middle school into high school. So I was like, let me learn how to like connect with dudes again. Really channel my inner dude. And I didn't. I fucking didn't because, um, At first I could, you know, and I realized I was just, I was just exhausting myself by trying to put on a much more like macho facade, a little more macho than usual, you know, a little more of a a face. Um, And I think a lot of the dudes too at that camp, they were probably being tougher than usual. I mean, they all do. I mean, they all coming from like neighborhoods growing up, like where you have to always be flexing. You know, you can't show weakness, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but the first night they like had just the staff, like, you know, basically trying to give the experience that they're going to give to the campers. We're going to do it ourselves just with staff. And what they do is this like pine cone ceremony where they throw a pine cone in the fire and then they kind of just share whatever they want. You know, they can do their big reveal and, uh, a lot of them talk about trauma. A lot of them just like dump, they, they fucking trauma dump about being molest, molested. When I was three, I was molested and, uh, at Carl's Jr. And, um, I just love you guys so much. And thanks for having me, you know, like that, like that's, it's, it's that. And then they cry. And that's the only time like you're supposed to be crying is at this like pine cone thing. 'Cause otherwise you're a pussy. But if you, you, you can you can you can break down during the pine cone thing and that's once a year you get to be a fucking fag. Right. They talked about trans campers at training. They were like, Well, you know, we haven't had that issue. We haven't had that problem yet. But uh you know we'll approach it when it comes and you know with open ears and eyes and holes you know and and that year they had a trans camper that very year they had uh i don't remember their name but it was something like they came up to campus, carlos and they left as like nina or something like that you know they went they went through the whole thing the two weeks they did really well they were a great camper and then um at the pine cone ceremony, uh, they came out and said, uh, I'm actually Nina now. Um, and he was like an effeminate kid. She was an effeminate kid anyway. She was very, you know, just carried themselves very daintily and uh, and was not, you know, was a fairy. It was a little fairy at camp, but he was, but he was super cool. They were super cool. She was super cool. So they had to have a conversation afterwards about, like, so are we, can we still re invite this person to camp? You know, if they're identifying as one, like, do we have to verify, you know, they're not verifying genitals or anything. So, you know, the most that happens is like the kids like shower together. So I don't, I don't really know. I think they probably, they probably didn't, they probably didn't, but they, 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 had conversations among staff that were like, "Oh, we'll think we're thinking about it. We'll, we'll think about it, you know, in between now and next year." But uh, I'm pretty sure no, and also COVID hit. So, but I think now they would. I think now they would. I think they have to really open their doors. But um, this camp made me really mad. It was, you know, I I I know I'm. I talk very openly about. And joke o- openly about being homophobic and and transphobic and uh, and misogynistic, but that's, I guess that's because I really know how I feel about it. Truly, at the core, like I I know, I I am aware of what level of irony I'm on when it comes to that. I I know what how I feel at the end of the day, and I don't care what I say here. Doesn't really anything I say here doesn't, doesn't matter to me. Um, and that's me being real. That's, that's real. That's like, you know, I know, I I know I put on that character a lot, but yeah, that's, uh, I think some would argue that I'm, I'm a little bit lib. I'm, I'm a bit of a lib and it's because of this camp really, because when I went to this camp, I was still like relatively fresh from college, from that, that, that liberal education being surrounded by women who uh, forced me to uh, adopt certain views and politics so that I could get my dick wet. And, you know, I, I'm a bit, uh, I I, dabble in feminism, you know, I'm a bit of a feminist myself. If I, if I really try, you know, when I, when I have the energy and time, I'm a bit of a feminist But this camp made me kind of push me far left. You know, it, I'd never been in a place that was so conservative that it made me feel like, oh, I actually am, I guess I am left leaning. I guess I am liberal. I guess I am like, it kind of sucked because I felt like up to that point, I was like, oh, I'm such a like a centrist. I'm so like, I'm such a centrist. You know, I like, you know, all this is bullshit. All your views are bullshit. I, I don't identify necessarily left, but just for the sake of this, conversation in terms of like the major arguments i was at that time kind of you know i thought i was above it you know um but when i was surrounded by it when you're stuck at this camp you're really isolated you're really in this bubble you're stuck in this bubble of 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 just over and over just like homophobic jokes it's just gay jokes it's trans jokes it's i hate women jokes women are bitches jokes. And then they, like, watch, like, you know, on the off days with the staff, they, like, watch, like, really, like, macho, like, classic macho movies, like, like, Training Day. we watch Training Day a lot, or they watch, like, dumb, like, just, like, they just, like, really dude out. It's just, like, bro the fuck out. Uh, Trying to think what else they fucking watched. But, you know, it's, like, it's, like, they're reminiscing on days when you could say faggot, you know? That's kind of how I felt about the camp, is, like, they want to say faggots so bad. They want to call each other fags so fucking bad. And the kids would. The kids would. But like the adults, it's like it was. They weren't really any better, you know. And I didn't know what happened when they took the. They would take kids out for like four, five, six day, like treks, like really far out. Um, and so who knows what they're saying out there versus what they're saying around uh, the main camp, around the gay nurse you know who i'm sure they were careful to not drop the f slur uh, around the gay nurse but um yeah and i had like a breakdown because i was stuck in this fucking hole and i i realized i was like i can't connect with people at this camp i it makes me too uh i'm too annoyed i'm too annoyed purely based on it's one thing for the adults, you know, to be doing their thing. I I don't I don't get upset about people who have opinions as adults one way or another. Um but I was more so upset that these are vulnerable children who, you know, are very susceptible to being influenced by anyone that will respect them and take them seriously and love and care for them right and that's that's how you influence children is uh, you put them in a desperate spot and you can manipulate them however you want because they just are craving uh, love and, and, and attention and this camp gives it to them it does it really it really gives it to them as long as they subscribe to the views and beliefs of the men who run the camp And I don't think it's hard for people to see the problem with that. And it's it's one thing to be at a camp, at a day camp, where you get to go home, you know, and reflect with and, and reapply it to your life day by day. It's another thing to like throw them away into the woods with no outside influence. Um and and almost in a it's secrecy. It's almost like a it's like a you don't really go home and talk about a lot of the things it feels very hush-hush about the things that you go home and tell your friends and family that you did. Um am not saying it was like a sex thing or something dark like that, but uh, more so just like more subtle, like I would say insidious things about how they're influencing their their future. Uh, again, being like probably like encouraging them to enlist in the military. Uh, it was vaguely like non-denominationally Christian they we would pray at meals you know we would pray at the end of the day it was very much uh honor your country and servicemen you know we would still do the flag every day and at night and um you know make people pledge blah 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 and maybe I I realized I was like damn I don't I I realize, I forget that that still happens in school as well, the flag, but, you know, if kids, I I met kids when I was that young who like didn't believe in it too, you know, they, I mean, post 9 is different. It was like, you just, you just fucking stand for the flag. But once we got to like middle school, high school, once it was like 10 years had passed, you know, kids had started to like stop standing you know they stopped pledging they stopped doing their thing they stopped worshiping their own country um and so i had trouble believing that all of these kids who have been institutionalized and kind of fucked over by their systems uh, and by their own country in a lot of ways um and have access to the information uh, I had I had trouble believing they all wanted to pledge allegiance to the flag, and but you know bow their heads and pray at meals. Um, I had trouble believing that that there was there weren't more delinquents there, and you know I and I, I felt the pressure too. I just kind of went along with it because I was like, I'm here for the whole fucking summer. Like I, I'm not gonna start ruffling feathers. Cause again, I was an outsider. So a lot of these people, they know each other. They I'm a newbie. I don't want to step on toes. So I just like kind of went with it. And I started to like identify more with like the kids. Cause I was like, yeah, like this is a weird, it's, it's kind of suffocating. It's suffocating. And it, you feel a little bit ostracized. And I kind of, I think I ostracized myself really. I, I, I secluded myself in my little nurse's station and my, I had a, my own room at least. And, uh, I actually started, um, I started experimenting with, uh, opioids actually that summer. Uh, there was a kid who, (laughs) who, who went through the program, became a counselor. Uh, but the previous summer, while he was at camp, he had a, a an awful stroke. He had a fucking stroke, and he was like 18 or 19 or something. Maybe a little older. He was in college, but he had a stroke at that age. A fat black man. And the funny thing about this gentleman is that he was actually... Uh, he actually was like, a, had like some sort of high level position in regards to Trump's uh, campaign. He, he was a respected and notable figure in uh, Trump's campaign, at least in California, in the greater LA area, which I thought was interesting at such a young age, especially. So, really, a bright, like, not despite his politics, I, I don't have an opinion in one way or the other, but, uh, he was a very bright guy, you know, a very, a very sharp from what I'm told. And, uh, he had this stroke. And so I met him when he, you know, he had this stroke and he seemed like he was still like a smart dude, but he just like was deteriorating like over the course of the summer. And part of, he had this crazy regiment of meds. And I got to know him well only because he had so many meds that he took and I he had to lock them up with me. He had to trust me. Uh, why would they do that? And um, he had a lot of painkillers that he never took. He just kept getting the scripts and he brought them all to camp. Bottles and bottles of like uh, Norco fucking... I forget all the different names, but you know, hydrocodone generic stuff. Um, and yeah, I got to a point at camp where I was like, wow, I, I might as well be gay. I might as well be gay at this homophobic camp because of the way I feel like, uh, I felt weird. And, uh, that's actually where I went vegetarian too, is because, uh, we were eating meat like three, four times a day. And I'm not, I ate ate meat prior to camp, but I realized not that often. I ate meat maybe like once or twice a week. You know, if I went out, maybe I would. But I didn't really eat much meat at home. I ate a lot of pasta, boy. And I got to camp and it was like three square meals of mostly meat. (laughs) Uh, And I realized it's a lot of it's to do with, you know, Men need meat. We like our we like our beef, you know? And it it uh it kind of pushed me the other way. And my body was kind of rejecting it. It was a combination of rejecting like the meat-heavy diet and associating it with the negative like emotional, like psychological state I was in because of everything else at the camp. And so I started having like, and my body was just reacting to like having all this additional meat it never had. So my body was not feeling good and i was like i went vegetarian in that moment because of just hoping it would make me feel better physically but also weirdly this weird rejection of like uh the 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 concept of masculinity as a whole i was going super woke i was like what the fuck and then you know and then i that obviously i couldn't say that to people as like why are you suddenly like you know mid camp doing this and uh so i you know i did my research and looked into the more environmental aspects and the the uh the ethical moral concerns regarding meat consumption um and that's kind of carried me through to to now like i've been veggie for three years now and i can still think about how i felt at that camp and everything that I went through, like I processed at that time. And like, that's kind of why I still try to mostly be vegetarian. I'm a little pesky. Sometimes I eat fish, but, uh, that's just cause I like mercury. (laughs) It's cause I like the taste of mercury in my food and I miss it. So yeah, weird. Uh, and yeah, and it got to a point by the way. So I I keep skipping around, but the opioids never became a problem. It really, what I found out is that I don't, I don't really like opiates. I just didn't like it being itchy and like, I don't know. I just, it just wasn't that enjoyable to me. So, you know, probably I'll like heroin, but I I just, you know, I felt, I feel like I need to step up to something harder. I think I just was fucking around with pills. Doesn't really do it for me. Um, but there's, you know, life is long. There's always time to try again, uh, which I will, I will. Uh, and it came to a head at a camp towards the last couple weeks because they could tell I was isolating myself a lot. I was still doing my duties, you know, I'd do my job, but you know, as soon as my job was done, I would just hole up in my room and uh, read or play video games or jerk off, (laughs) Uh, not living the camp life. But it's kind of because like the nurse doesn't get to really, you have to always be, you're always on call. You're on call for like two weeks straight. You don't really get time off. It was was stressful because there was no other nurses. It was just me. So like I'm always, my radio is always on. I'm always getting called. I'm always getting questions at all hours. So like I fucking hated that i fucking hated that job every other nursing like school or camp there's always someone else you know it's always at least two people but this place is fucked up and was broke and they apparently could only afford one uh and i and i exploded because like the dale decker the butter bean rolled into my room and was like hey man like what's up like you know just talk to me like is, is something going on like you're doing okay, and I I couldn't hold it. I was like, I let everything bubble. I was, I was, I thought I was gonna push through. It just like you know, grit my teeth, white knuckle it for the last two weeks, and then maybe at the end I'll share all my gripes with the camp. Which I know I didn't go into detail much. There was a lot that went on, um, that was very upsetting. But they were they were like pretty openly like racist too. Like, there was a lot of talk about. I, I felt like they treated the kids very with a lot of like disdain if they didn't follow the rules, you know, I feel like to have kids that like have been told what to do their whole lives and have been rejected over and over again. And then they come to camp that says like, Oh, we're going to like help you. And then they get rejected again one more time and like sent home. So a lot of these kids, if they got sent home from this camp, I've heard that they were like getting kicked out of like whatever current foster home they were at. You know, it was like, oh, well, we're not going to pick him up. You know, we're not going to do that. He's he's fucked around too much. So we're just going to call the foster, uh, you know, support team or whatever. And they'll they'll pick him up Uh, like things like that. So I, I was not getting upset about the American flag and the prayers. It was more so like how I think a lot of these conservative bullheaded attitudes towards things in general were affecting the way they were influencing the kids and treating the kids and affecting their futures. So they were just talking about, like they were trying to justify like, oh, this kid like hates white people probably. Like that's why he's acting up. Like he just doesn't respect my authority as a white man. Dale Decker was white. It's a white butterbean. Um, And so they he just kind of kept chalking it up to like, oh, like, you know, it's, he just hates white people. Um, Things like that. And we had kids who like had a lot of, a lot of like medical issues, a lot of psychological issues of course. Um but they were very like I I don't know. They I thought they were very impatient and I think they weren't they were very much on this in this boat of like when they went out on their uh expedition on their like 3 4 day, 5 day like hike, it's meant to break you. They want they want you to break a little bit because they make you hike Uh, to the point of blisters like we they they most kids who came back had fucking blisters on their feet and i had to deal with that shit for like hundreds and hundreds of kids i've never seen i've never had to like i've never had my own fucking blisters like that on my feet and i had to like treat all these kids um so the point of the camp was to break the kids down psychologically and a lot of them fucking lost it you know, like some of them pulled knives. They started attacking other kids. They started peeing. One of them threw shit at other kids. I was like, if you're saying that you want to break kids, this is what that looks like. And that is what happens. So if you're going to make the kid responsible now, you know, just because you thought it was a good idea to send them out in the woods alone with a, a college student With a bunch of other delinquent children, you have to accept responsibility for when they come back or when they, when they act up, it's not fair that like you put them in a position where they're probably going to act up and then you get, you send them home and tell them, Oh, he was being bad. Oh, he was put, he was, he was put in a stressful situation that, you know, it's not our fault, but he, you know, he, he flipped out he cracked under the pressure and now we're going to send him home with a bad report and get him kicked out of his foster home. Okay. And that's what happened over and fucking over all summer. And anyway, so, and Dale's the one who makes that call. Anyway, Dale call, you know, calls me into, uh, he comes into my room and I just let him have it. I tell him literally everything that I've observed, everything that has been bothering me, that I have been put in this position where I'm afraid to say anything cuz as an outsider I'm like why should I have an opinion about this uh hyper conservative uh camp you know as a gay man as a gay man why should I have a, a say here um but you know just kind of expressing that like it's it's hard to you know in this environment to speak up and I was like damn I never thought I'd be the one saying like you know, workplace violence or do whatever. Like I was, I was, I was doing that. I was doing that. And only because I'd never felt pushed and isolated so far one way. Um, and yeah, and I, I kind of just exploded. I let him have it. And I, you know, I was just saying like, you know, this place tolerates too much, Faggot. Too much homophobia. It tolerates too much everything. I feel like, and you, I clearly like don't have a problem with it. You're clearly like, you know, as much of a bigot as anyone. But it's unfortunate because you're the person like who directs this camp and has the most power in this camp to change that culture. And he's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a bigot. Like I, I march a pride. We, you know, I, I march in the pride parade. I go to, you know, this, this. I have gay friends. I have black friends. I have whatever. You know every excuse in the book as to why he couldn't possibly be a bigot or at least act as if he were a bigot that he was an ally, you know? Um, and I think he was trying, but his, his credit to himself over and over was that he, that I didn't know what the camp was like. You know, with the old director, there was another director who was mean and grumpy and like very, very openly racist, you know, that he would say slurs and, you know, laugh at faggot and, you know, say, fag- I don't know. Like, I don't know. But the point is that from my perspective as a new as a newcomer, he was still not where the bar should be set. Um, but he was given probably too much credit for not being shitty for not being you know bottom of the barrel shitty as the other director was you know he was one one step one rung on the ladder up but my standards were apparently much too high uh for dale decker to reach as you know someone who produces keeping up with the kardashians um yeah and they and then like you know there were a lot of talks i had to talk with a bunch of other people and people that pretty much took his side and like defended him and defended the camp. And I was just, you know, I just had extremist, you know, lib views, and, um, that they didn't feel comfortable having me at the camp anymore. And so, uh, they had me leave. They, they ejected me from camp during the last two weeks and they had to find like someone, other nurse to fill in that wanted to fucking go to the Sequoias for two weeks. Uh, and take care of a bunch of sweaty, smelly boys. Um, yeah, I kn- and I know that story. I didn't really. There's a lot. It's 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 basically like microaggressions built up over months, but. Yeah, no, I I'm. I, it's like there's part of me that feels almost embarrassed for being so being so relatively liberal at that camp, you know? Like I thought I could be more based, you know, and just be like, yeah, fuck women and minorities, you know, the whole time. Um but I couldn't. I couldn't really channel my edge lord and it kind of helped me solidify a little bit more how I truly feel about about the world, about people. Um. And so, any bigotry you listen to or experience here on the show, uh, that's where it comes from. I, I I think of it as a reflection of the people I met at that camp, which I can talk about more another day. But yeah. Um still fuck you guys though. Still fuck fags. You know, I, I still, you know, fuck women in the end. At the end of the day, like Tune in next week. We'll we'll probably have the guest. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh if you uh you know want me to kill myself let me know in the comments i just need i just need some positive encouragement i need some reinforcement uh some words of affirmation that i can do it and i should do it perhaps i'll move to uh where is it sweden or whatever they have the the new suicide pods i would perhaps uh like to be one of the first hundred people to uh partake in the suicide pod. Um still banned on Instagram. Handsome Ben twenty twenty four is the backup. Uh still banned from everything else. I'm just on X Videos. And they actually actually no they started banning they actually started uh banning my videos on x videos too. They didn't like w edge game episode twenty nine so if you're wondering where edge game twenty nine is it is now audio only. I don't know where I can post that video maybe on many vids, but many vids has deleted my videos as well, so um, this might be the beginning of the end, hopefully hopefully it is Uh, if anyone wants to make porn with me hit me up I'm lonely if anyone's mom likes my show if anyone is a mom any moms out there hit me up I want to hear your story and I want to hear your very valid opinions about abortion okay please all right love you guys hit me up though good night